Welcome to the Finding Strong Podcast with your host, Pat Gates and Mark Bottenhorn. We're coming to you from the heart of the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. We are on a mission to push the limits and find strength through endurance, mindset, and fitness. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, Pat, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good over here, just... uh beautiful sunny day in detroit today yeah yeah i wish i was in detroit i'm uh stuck in the suburbs happy to be here though overall definitely well, it was beautiful out so um mark tell me uh heard you got some big news yeah i'm pretty excited um i'm excited to announce that i'm going to be a brand ambassador um for bigger than the trail which is a nonprofit that focuses around um, getting resources and education out for those suffering with mental health and mental illness. So that's a really big thing for me because it's pretty much my life mission. So we're kind of combining forces and hoping to reach even more people than we already have. So I'm really pumped about that. And also I have a race coming up this weekend, a uh, big 50 K. So it's going to be good. And I'll put some live tracking for that on face or Facebook and Instagram. I'm pretty pumped up about that. Yeah, man, that's just, that's just awesome here. Number one, congratulations super proud of you you know kind of help you alleviate some and uh spread some light and the stigma of mental health i know it's a it's a really important thing that we need to cover yeah for sure I think. i'm just really glad that you can partner with such an awesome company to do that yeah i'm really excited but uh, even more exciting this is our very first podcast and we have a pretty special guest on today don't we oh yeah definitely um our today's special guest is gonna be uh, lauren mitchell She's uh, based out of uh, Colorado. She's a registered dietitian and nutrition program coordinator at uh, Lifetime Athletic. She's also a professor at Front Range Community College. So um, she's going to be awesome and help um, answer a lot of our questions that we have today and uh, kind of go over some stuff that are pretty in-depth. You know, um, I'm, not, I'm not in the medical field. I'm not a professional. I'm just really interested in the subject, and uh, I'm just here to learn, and Lauren Mitchell is going to help do that. And I'm just on a quest to like perform really well. And, uh, sometimes I've used her advice in the past and it's been really helpful. She, she helped me out a lot in the past. So this, this should be good. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's get her on here and see, we got some Instagram uh, user questions and things like that for her to answer too. So it should be a good time. Awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. First, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to come on here and, and talk to us. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll do my best. Good. I'm sure it'll be fine. But before we get into this, I have two uh, things to settle. And the first one is that you owe me cookies. <laughs> I, know. I, know. So I know. I've been like a year behind in that or more. More. I would say more. Um, <laughs> and then the, uh, the next thing is you, you said that Knoxville was fun. Yeah. And Pat- oh, oh, yeah. I forgot that you like didn't love Knoxville. <laughs> no, I didn't love it. It was it was um, Knoxville is uh I'm sure there are great people there, but um wow, that was so boring. You gotta go on game day. Yeah. I thought it was like I thought it was like a big college city and like I don't know, we went out and there was like five people out there. It was like a ghost town. It was like post apocalyptic. No, it was you guys are being so dramatic. <laughs> You gotta go game day. Game day is the best day. Okay, so that's if anybody's listening, uh, the best day to go to Knoxville is game day. Yeah, go ball. 
I guess. Um, okay. So, all right. So, so I guess Pat, start us off. What's the, so one of the, one of the first questions, you know, um, for being elite endurance athletes, uh, especially Mark, um, for an elite endurance athlete, what would you consider like the perfect like diet for performance? I know I've talked to Mark about this like a while ago, but that's, I think it's like, it's hard to give an exact perfect diet. Like a lot about nutritional intake depends on like your personal belief system, culture, your values, and also like feasibility of what you can and can't cook or what you have like access to. But the perfect balance would be the right amount of like carbohydrates, fat and protein for you. But, and it's also like what's best for your meal timing during the day with your lifestyle. I hate to sound super vague, but there's no one specific intake. Like it's more on the individual level, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Especially for endurance, like your carbohydrates and what type of carbohydrates are super important. Um, Definitely like with fat too, fat is really important to help protect and the right amount of protein. So you do recover. Um, But the way you can sort your meals throughout the day is going to be like one of the most important things. Yeah, because I know uh, I always really struggle with, like, when should I eat, like, before a workout or after a workout? I mean, that's, like, the one thing. Yeah, and it's up to your stomach tolerance. Like, a lot of people can do well in the morning going out to run without anything. But um, for certain people, like, if you're not able to squeeze a run in until later in the day, it's a long one. You might need um, the right amount of, like, protein, carb, and fat before and then have, like, an hour to digest. But that's also dependent on your stomach specifically. And what you so, can trial. Gotcha. Lauren, is, is, it, is it safe to say that most endurance athletes around the world, well, we'll say elite endurance athletes, um, eat a diet that consists primarily of carbohydrates? Um, you, you mean know, like, like that's the main macronutrient? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like the biggest and most important. Um, I try to, when I meet with my clients one-on-one, I generally, I say like, if your body's a car, you need gas. And that's kind of what carbohydrates is, to, especially if you're running like long distance. Um, but it does depend on where you get those carbohydrates specifically. If you're talking about performance. Okay. That's what I, I mean. There have been a, a few studies and at least I know you're probably familiar with Matt Fitzgerald, but he followed around a bunch of professional and Olympic endurance athletes and kind of just tracked what they ate for a whole year. Um, and he found that like, you know, certain populations ate more, but it, it, it seemed like Kenyans ate close to like 80% carbohydrates or 75% and they're doing really well in uh, a <laughs> I'd say. So like, I don't know that, that was one, one thing that he pointed out. I mean, I guess a carbohydrate centered diet, right? Yeah. Seems- so, I mean, I keep saying the word macronutrient, but macronutrient is like protein, carbon, fat. And so, um, if you think about the definition, micros like vitamins and minerals. So the biggest of your macronutrient for an endurance athlete should be carbohydrate. All right, good. Awesome. So what would you consider like the, like the vegan diet that like be like helpful and like for endurance athletes, what would you consider like the pros and cons of a vegan diet? Um, so with vegan or vegetarian, again, it's up to someone's belief system, you know? So if that's whatever's best for them and their values, then someone should follow that. I'm like, I'm not here to diss anything like that. But with vegan and vegetarian based diet, um, 
the type where you get your proteins is important too. Like, um, supplementation with vitamin B12 is going to be important. Um, vitamin B12 only does come from animal based products and our body can't make it alone. So with the vegan and vegetarian, we do want to be cognizant of our like energy levels throughout the day. Um, sometimes people have like paler, so like white skin or they bruise easily or have low energy. And that may be they're not like having the right distribution of plant-based proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. Um, so like where they get their protein is going to be really important. That can be anything from like beans, legumes. And, um, the thing with complementary proteins, do you guys know I'm talking about complementary? Um, your body can make, uh, essential like proteins with complementary. So like rice and beans is like a popular, well-known one. Um, but for vegans, vegetarians, it is important that they balance their meals throughout the day with, um, the right amount like vegetables and beans, legumes too, for protein intake. Gotcha. That's awesome. There, there are some, some complete, uh, plant proteins, right? Like, um, complete would be soy and quinoa. Okay. Um, but honest with how your body works, like you don't have to have, uh, rice and beans together for every single meal for your body to make a complete protein. It just has to be within the day. Right. Right. Okay. But the way your body builds muscle, so if you want to build muscle mass, you have to have a higher amount of nitrogen in your body, which is through the plant protein. So you, your body's constantly turning over amino acids throughout the day. And so having a pot, it's called positive nitrogen stat- status helps contribute to building lean muscle. But for endurance base, like um, our plant proteins are also starchy, which helps provide those carbohydrates you need too. So you get like best of both. Okay, so it is possible with with the use of very few supplements to be successful as an endurance athlete with with a vegan or vegetarian diet. Um, I guess the you know I just like I try to really base things on elite athletes, and I see that there are outliers. Like I've said before, I've said this in other posts, but most uh, professional and, and elite endurance athletes don't, or most elite athletes in general don't cut whole food groups out of their diet. Uh, right. So I feel like it, it can get tricky because I've seen a lot of like the athletes that I coach, I don't do any of their nutrition as you know. Um, but I, I still, they get test results back and things like that. And they're usually deficient in something if they're vegan and, and I eat like a 99 or 98% vegan diet, but I'm just calling it for what it is not trying to, uh, diss it or anything like that. I think it's a great lifestyle. Yeah. Um, that's where the supplementation of B12 or, um, someone who is low iron, would need to have an iron supplement, but they should only have that through testing through like their blood. Cause it's not, you can cause more oxidative stress if you take an iron supplement. Um, but even simple things like ways to increase iron absorption, in the body, like cooking with an iron cast skillet, um, you're increasing having vitamin C with your, um, proteins. So like that could be like, um, bell peppers with like broccoli and legumes, like, vitamin C increases the absorption of iron. Um, I try to tell my clients that if they're super big into like drinking tea, like high amounts of tea can actually lower iron absorption. So I tell them not to have tea with their meals specifically. Just like any kind of tea or just a, a certain type? Um, I'd say like, it's almost any, it's not one specific type, but 
usually our tea drinkers are drinking tea like all day yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> um but just like the high I, I don't know the exact amount I can get that to you but um high tea intake is shown to decrease iron absorption could you say the same thing for like coffee um no that one's different but coffee does it can be a diuretic and it can dehydrate you but it doesn't decrease your iron absorption <laughs> so what uh, what do you think about like the other diets uh, like the, these popular diets like keto or paleo could they help any oh. kind of performance hey before so i i went to lauren with some questions oh um and, and she said you don't, you don't want like this this was back when i was like trying to tweak my own diet and she's like wait you don't you're not trying to go no carb or keto are you <laughs> do that but i just thought it was so funny so i'm curious wait when did i say that i don't know maybe i don't know it's probably over a year ago i don't know well it's yeah so which one are we talking about keto well, let's just start let's just start with keto first yeah. okay <laughs> um so like with ketogenic if you look at the back history I'm not here to diss any diet, but if we're talking about performance, research is still mixed. That's the thing. Like keto was originally developed for um, patients with epilepsy. And so a lot of people, when they hear keto, they think, oh, weight loss, like this is what I saw someone on Instagram do, (laughs) you know? Um, But with keto, it's actually a state, it's called like ketosis, which I'm sure you, you two have like talked about. I know Mark, you know, for sure. But when the main source that your body wants to run off is glucose, which is a carbohydrate. So this idea of ketosis, it's going into that ketogenic state. So how it occurs, it's less than 50 grams of carb a day. So less than 200 calories or less. So instead of your body running off of glucose, something carbohydrate, it's going to run off of fat and something called ketones as its main energy source. But with keto, like there's, if there's three different types, if you break it down, so like classic keto, so super high fat, low protein, there is like cyclical too. So it's like five or six days with keto and then having a one to two day of a carb refeed. And then there's like a high protein keto, which is kind of the similar to the Atkins diet. Um, but in regards to performance, especially with aerobic people, there is like, some studies that show that has improved fat oxidation rate. So being able to run and burn fat for longer. But if you think about the other end with keto, you may have a hard time, especially like when you're in that anaerobic cardio system and trying to burn carb, your body doesn't have the power. It also is shown to like decrease your strength output. If you are trying to gain lean mass too, because what builds muscles, protein and carb together, but if someone was generally trying to lose weight, I mean, it could be an option. Um, some people with who go on a ketogenic diet, it is shown to help Im- like improve and reduce inflammation with autoimmune disease. But it's also such a high amount of fat and a low amount of carbohydrate. It may not be the best for aerobic. There's like it may contribute to hitting the wall or central fatigue because your body doesn't have that energy, that glucose necessarily. Yeah. So my thoughts, you're the expert and my thoughts on it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong is, so I think that there's a lot of evidence that shows that, um, it, it does make you more efficient at, at oxidizing fat or burning fat. 
Um, but usually the, I mean, you, you burn fat at like 110 beats per minute. Right. Um, so what, how that is not going to help you when, when it takes, you know, 150, 160, 170 potential uh, beats per minute on average, uh, to, to win a race. I mean, so you right. still wants to pull carbohydrates as the main source. So if it were like a fat burning, uh, Olympic world championship, then, then maybe that's a great diet, but it doesn't seem like a great <laughs> diet for anything that's over like extremely low intensity. Yeah. And if you think about like longevity or something like ketogenic, like that amount of fat in your diet, people are getting those fat sources from also like saturated fats, not just their healthy, like um, PUFAs and uh, polyunsaturated and monounsaturated. People are getting those from also like, you know, like bacon or high saturated fats and longevity that can also like have a, Uh, it can kind of, it can impact their total cholesterol, like lower HDL, you know, all these important clinical markers for longevity in life, but it has been shown to weight loss if someone is trying to lose weight, but um, going from keto to normal base eating, someone is going to gain weight, which can wreck their performance too. And if you think about like big picture with the body, if someone doesn't have a gallbladder, the gallbladder like helps with bile and digesting fat. Um, if someone doesn't have a gallbladder, like a high fat diet is not going to do well. They're going to have GI distress. Yeah. I, so I think that the, the reason that this diet is so popular right now is because people love to have their like bad habits justified or reinforced. So if you think that you can just slam down bacon or like a double cheeseburger and take the, take the bun off, like it feels really good because uh, people want to do that, but really I think it's garbage. Yeah. Just... But I also think when people start like a keto diet or insert any diet is that, you know, is that it's kind of like an elimination of, of a lot of shitty foods that they've been eating or, ha- or bad habits. So that's why they see, I think, you know, kind of losing some weight. So it's not a magic diet. Yeah. And they'll lose water. Like when you lower your carbs like that, you're going to drop a lot of water weight initially. And so all that weight loss initially is water. Yeah, because carbs absorb yeah. water. I mean, are you losing the glycogen as well when you? Yeah, your muscle. So carbohydrates in your body are stored as um, it's called muscle glycogen, and so you know you do that is deplenished when your body's running in actual ketosis, so running off the ketones. But that's where that cyclical keto comes in, where someone has one or two days that carbohydrate refeed to help re pair and rebuild those um, glycogen stores so if someone on that like cyclic day where they have more carbohydrates that's where they may try to increase their mass or power output or that might be a day where someone would go on a longer run you know because they actually have the the fuels but when you do that you go out of ketosis because you can only have 50 grams or less a day and so people sometimes don't realize that they're out of ketosis unless you're actually like measuring your pee with strips, like acidity strips. What are you peeing on those? Yeah. You have to pee on them and you can see your pH because you can pee out (laughs) ketones and then you can have like a ketone breath too. So, so for me to participate in this diet, I would, I would walk around with strips in, in which I have to pee on to, to accurately. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to keep it with you, but. It might be a little inconvenient <laughs> for work. Yeah. I don't know. It's inconvenient for anything. I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. You're driving down the road. You got to pull over and check your ketones. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's definition, like, right, to, like, be in ketosis, because a lot of people think they are, but as soon as you have more than 50 grams, you're out of ketosis, and then your body's going to start using um, glucose. All right, so with that, what about the, uh, moving on from that, then, what about this uh, paleo diet? Um, So with paleo, I haven't worked specifically with a client trying to follow um, paleo, but I mean, the, the premise of paleo is, you know, having everything in the back in the times hunger and gatherer, but they do eliminate a lot of our like legumes. And I mean, some paleo, I don't know if they have fruit or not, but it depends on which one. But the idea of like eliminating big food groups may not be the best thing because it, it sounds pretty restrictive, yeah. um, but I'm big on you can get your intake from a variety of like vegetables, fruits, grains, legumes, all that. But with something like paleo specifically, there isn't a lot of research with that in endurance base. But um, I mean, I haven't seen it. Correct me if you guys have, but um, I, it may not be the best thing. It, it does sound kind of restrictive in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's restrictive. Um, and it's a little, I would say it's probably too high in protein for, for like an endurance athlete. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but if you, I think, uh, you can correct me on this, but usually people follow like a 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight as a rough estimate. And if you're eating like a traditional paleo diet, you'd be closer to 1.8 grams per gram of body or per kilogram of body weight. So it's considerably higher. Yeah. And I mean, with a consistent high amount of protein, your body only uptakes a certain amount and so the rest can go to fat so you may actually gain fat the way it works so because you're missing your (laughs) high amount of carbohydrates but it is uh, very protein centered which may not if we think about what endurance athletes need is that more carbohydrates but um, I mean the recommended range of protein is 10 to 35 percent of your intake that's the AMDR but something like paleo, it puts you, it can put you higher. Yeah. Um, but so if, like high amounts of protein intake, like it can have a burden on your kidneys later on in life. But that is also like genetic, something like chronic kidney disease. I'm not saying those are two are related. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying um, kidney, your kidneys, you know, they help filter and remove ammonia. So no, definitely. And I, so I think if you look like the Atkins diet or the zone diet, Right. Um, both of those are, are relatively um, high in protein, like more than 30 percent of your daily value comes from uh, protein. And there was a study and I don't have um, I don't have it readily available, but there was a there's a pretty large study produced that showed that people um, that it actually negatively impacted aerobic performance to, to have your protein higher than 30 or 35 percent. Uh, so. I think that that's something to consider. And then I also think that another thing to consider is the guy who created the Atkins diet was like obese and he, he died from a bunch of health related concerns and he made a lot of money off it in the time that he was alive. But I, I just, I can't follow something like that. Like if you can't practice what you preach, it makes me nervous, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, someone that is, is trying to lose weight, they would need a little bit more protein so they don't lose their skeletal muscle mass. But for someone that is more in that endurance base, you need, do need more protein more than the RDA. Like the RDA is 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. Yeah. But um, I mean, 1.2 is definitely sufficient 
or even one depending on your needs and goals. But um, a super high intake for a long period of time is generally not advised. Okay, good. And let's keep in mind to everybody listening that we're talking about 1.2. We're talking in grams to kilogram of body weight, not grams to pound of body weight, which they get commonly mixed up. And uh, that's, I think, a lot of supplement companies, I'm not going to mention any names, but they would, they would like to have you believe the latter of that. So you throw down like five protein shakes in a day, but it's probably not a good option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. But this one, uh, this one's for Mark. Uh, this another, it's a little story. This guy names uh, Tim Sheaf. Uh, he was a vegan. Uh, I'll let Mark kind of get into it because I know he uh, gets real passionate about this story. I'm gonna Google this guy. Yeah, his. So I guess his name is Tim Sheaf, and uh, somebody asked us about him. So I, I, I watched some of his stuff, and he uh, is a vegan or was a vegan like YouTube sensation um, who was like a free runner and a parkour guy. And, and he did parkour. Yeah. Parkour. <laughs> you can literally get famous for anything that you like. Now that's the beauty of the world. But anyway, he, he, um, he did Ninja warrior and things like that. Well, he was after six years of being a vegan, he came on and confessed to everybody that he was no longer a vegan anymore. And this is the part that, that, that kills me. He fasted for 35 days um, and he was like wandering around a farm for whatever reason. And he saw free, free range chicken just roaming around. And he went up to the, the farm owner and bought some eggs and he ate them raw. And he said he felt so great and felt reinvigorated and it made him question his whole diet. I mean, this is a dude that hasn't eaten for 35 days and we have a dietitian on the, uh, on the podcast right now. And I, I'm, I thought that if you didn't eat for 35 days, you would die. So I, 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 first of all, don't even understand that. It seems like a crazy story. Uh, but anyway, he fasted for 35 days, um, had these eggs. They were great. And then he went and he bought what he called a, a sliver of salmon, which I always think is a crazy uh, measurement. For, for <laughs> What does that mean? It's <laughs> a sliver. It's a little, little, uh, yeah, a little slice, I guess. And he cooked that and he ate that and he, and he loved it. So this was the second day. And so he was not a vegan for two days anymore. And then he uh, went to bed and then I apologize for saying this. I feel really uncomfortable, but uh, he, he, he ejaculated in his sleep and he had a wet dream for the first time he said, and um, he said that the salmon changed his life and balanced his hormones back out. And I, I, I just, it, the whole story just seems crazy to me. I, I, I can't imagine that six years of. Yeah. But also in this 35 day fast, he, he drank his own urine as well. Oh, yeah. Conveniently, yeah. He also he drank his own piss routinely, as well. So did he have like other water intake, like ab libidum, or did he have just only his own pee? No, I'm sure. I I would. This was over the course of six years, so I would like to think. Oh, so- <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Wait, no. With his, ha- he said 35. Oh yeah, that's, that's yeah. It was just like a, a period. He routinely drank his own pee. Because, I mean, essentially, if you are having water, like, continuous, like, water intake, your pee is going to be more hydrated, you know. (laughs) So, like, it's going to hydrate him, but... Why wouldn't he just drink regular water? (laughs) (laughs) So, So, he basically ruled out and said a vegan diet is rubbish because... Uh, once he, um, started eating eggs and salmon, he, um, 
was able to ejaculate again or whatever it was. And I think that the problem he was not eating food for 30 plus days and he was drinking his piss. And it seems like a rational decision to change your whole lifestyle and belief system. Um, Based on not eating. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't eat for 35 days. It, this is insane. Cause Pat, if you don't eat for like four hours, yes, you get angry. Yeah. You get angry. It's a real thing. <laughs> so I would rule that personally uh, as a, not a good reason. If, if you feel like being a vegan or vegetarian is right for you, I would, I would, not worry about that, but I would suggest to not drink your own piss and I would eat often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like if you think about what makes up, like if you look at like egg versus salmon, like salmon's full of like protein, your healthy fats, your omega three specifically, like he could have been omega three deficient. He could have been protein deficient. I mean, if it's 35 days, his iron levels are super low, specifically like transparent. So the fact that he had, his B vitamins ingest it. I mean, that's probably what caused him to feel better. And that's definition of like a mission of an essential nutrient is when you have it, it replenishes the stores and you're back to cognitive function. So the fact that he ejaculated post intake of salmon means that his like his hormonal systems are working correctly. And that's how it, it should be. If you think about just in general, how your body should work on a hormonal level, but he could have put some serious stress on his body with doing that in like uh, his like adrenal system as well. So, but <laughs> right. I mean, I'm just trying to talk about it in like a scientific. Yeah, just to kind of <laughs> spin off of that. Um, you know, we travel we travel a lot for races. You know, uh, travel a lot for like, coaching and adventures. Um, adventures. Love adventures, but um, adventure I wouldn't do is a 35 day fast. And, I wouldn't uh, adventure in Knoxville either. No. <laughs> oh my God, easy. <laughs> so, what, what what do you do for like nutrition on the go? Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Lori. For for no no, I want to hear what you guys do. It's been a while since you filled me in. Yeah. So what I try to the main thing I try to do is just prepare everything ahead of time. Um, like I said, my diet's probably ninety five percent vegan. So I just. Uh, I, I can pretty much eat anything and, and run truthfully. Like my stomach's like a tank. Um, so I just, I just make it like, I take a lot of fruits, a lot of greens. I eat like most people wouldn't do this, but I just, I take like handfuls of spring mix right out of the bag and just eat that because I'm not eating it because it tastes good. So like, I just do a bunch of things like that. And I know that's not very scientific, but I just try to prepare everything the night before if I'm traveling, if you're flying, it's a different story because you're limited what you can take. Um, so this specifically is like some of the races that we drove through. Um, so I just put together packages for each person that was with us on the trip. It was Dan and Pat. I just put together a package for, for both of them and myself as well, which had, um, good amounts of, um, like dairy free protein in it and just, uh, some really good complex carbohydrates, some different fruits, uh, some cashews, some, uh, Justin's almond butter, stuff like that, just to get us through and not, you know, so we weren't stopping at like gas stations and things like that or Taco Bell. Yeah, Taco Bell, especially. So and that worked pretty well. I mean, I try to keep things as normal as I can before a race. And then after a race, like, that's when I'll have some fun. But but before it, I don't want any stomach problems at the race. So I just try to keep it really, really clean like that. And I, I don't know. That's good. You're planning ahead and prepping. That's, like, huge. So, like, what do you do for, like, uh, those situations where you're, like, flying? 
Oh, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's tougher. I mean, I tried to, the thing about a flight is it's much shorter. So, um, you know, you can, you can land and then get to a, to a grocery store or get to a, a restaurant, you know, that has a, like I, if there's a freshie around when I'm traveling, like I love to go to freshie because it's pretty much just the same things I do at my house, you know, it's yeah. quinoa, greens, vegetables, and that, that works really well for me. But I think flying is a little easier cause you don't have to plan for like 10 hours in a car, you know? So, um, what, so like right before a race or like, you know, actually during a race, how do you, uh, how should we fuel like that kind of bars, juice? I know Mark, um, you use spring energy sponsor plug. Yes, I do. Yeah. I like spring energy cause it's just all whole food based. It's stuff that you just find in food. It's not, it's not really like harsh on my stomach. I like it a lot, but, but Lauren, what's your suggestion for somebody, um, pre-race and then during the race? Um, nothing new. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have heard that. That's actually, that's great. Yeah. That's a huge one. Um, sometimes something new can, you know, with nerves can affect your stomach and cause like, uh, porter potty stops during the race. Um, but I would, you know, anything that you're trying out, I want like ideally try during your long runs. So nothing new, but Ideally, before you run, you want something carbohydrate and protein and maybe let yourself sit like or digest at least an hour, depending on your stomach tolerance. But it, what type of distance are we talking for during? Maybe we'll, well, they didn't really specify in the question. So um, we'll say like marathon to 50K distance, I suppose. Um, so, I mean physiologically like your body is going to be utilizing fat and carbohydrates and the idea is to present or prevent your body you know from burning all the muscle glycogen and utilizing it so it is important to supplement um what do you do you do something every like 45 minutes yeah what I, or what do you do what i do is that the, after 45 minutes i typically take a gel uh either long haul or canterbury from from spring and they're not the only only ones that that you could use i just like them the best um and then i so i take that after 45 minutes and then every thir- 25 to 40 minutes thereafter i take another so i try to i try to intake like 250 calories an hour i find works for me a lot of people a lot of elite uh, and ultra runners they, they try to take in about 400 calories an hour that that for me is too much at the at the marathon 50k uh, level yeah, I would say minimum at least 100 every 45. Okay. But, um, I mean, yeah, it again, like, you've tested it out, so that that's awesome. But your body needs some type of carbohydrate. I am looking up spring. I like the ingredients that they use. Yeah, they're, they're really high-quality ingredients. And I had stomach problems from every single gel uh, that, I, that I took before that, and I stumbled onto them and tried it, and, and I loved it. And I'm so fortunate now to be partnered with them. They're a great company. Um, they do a lot for athletes on top of making really great fuel. So that's, that's something I want to put out there as well. Definitely feel fortunate. Yeah. And with the high intake of sugar, that's usually when people have some type of upset, but your body does need some type of carbohydrate and refuel to help keep you going for longer. But personally, I try to have something like you're saying every 45, but I found out here in Colorado, I get so hungry and then, once those hunger thoughts start coming, usually like, it's like, Oh, I'm tired. I'm this, but it's usually cause I'm low in calories. 
that's usually what I've seen, especially in the more ultra races that when people, especially when I've been pacing, if people are super low energy, it could be because they're low on their calories. That's generally when those thoughts come through. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. Uh, I definitely had that problem with the last marathon, just kind of, uh, when should I start fueling? And I, I didn't fuel often enough. And yeah, I think what the, the thing that a lot of inexperienced ultra runners or ultra athletes in general, uh, what they don't do is they're not hungry initially. Uh, but you should in, in these races, and especially when you're getting longer into even into 50 mile, hundred K hundred mile, uh, you need to eat early and, and eat often and you need to eat before yes. you need to eat. And a lot of people don't do that that's the biggest advice i think you can give eat early and eat often <laughs> seriously yeah but looks like but by the time you you are hungry it's too late especially when when you're in a race and like you have all that adrenaline going and everything like that your body doesn't do a good job of, of reading your your needs it's kind of like maslow's hierarchy of needs like am i hungry am i tired like what's going around my body's going haywire but it, it delays it so you don't realize it and you're like then you're in a you're in a hole and it's hard to get out of it late in a race yeah it's good to do like a systems check too yeah that's, that's <laughs> so just kind of moving into some more like instagram questions um so supplement use versus like common performance scams like the what kind of supplements should some runners be using um is this a me yes, question lauren Okay. <laughs> um, for supplements, I mean, like we were talking about, like during a run, something like you're saying, like spring. I've also tried real food too. It just depends on what's best and what you can physically carry and what type of race you're doing. Like potatoes, I've done, um, or like salted watermelon or something. But with supplements, um, are we talking about like protein powder? Yes. Yes, yeah, some like BCAs maybe, or protein, or um so in supplements as a whole i feel are there to help fill nutrient gaps so someone might like um, a protein powder as an easy like way to make like a shake post recovery or um, easy breakfast for someone so i mean something that i'll use a protein powder for is if i like i drive far for my long run and then i usually like keep a shake in the car with protein and fruit and fat and so I have something right away for recovery and then I go eat a real meal. Okay. So it helps me on my drive back. But I mean, a high quality, if you think about protein supplements, they should always be gluten-free. Um, they'll always put that on the label gluten-free, but there should never be like wheat, barley, or rye in any protein supplement. Um, and then for people that don't know, if you read the nutrition label, the ingredients go by order of weight. So there shouldn't be sugar like dextrose or maltose in a specific protein supplement but um i always try to look for pharmaceutical grade too for supplements okay good but for bcas i mean the reason you know why they're popular is because of the structure of the branch chain amino acids so that's shown to help with muscle protein synthesis um so some people like to have them because there are some studies that show when you have them before like a strength session or mid strength session, you have more protein, more specifically nitrogen in your system. So it helps build the lean mass. But I mean, I don't take BCAs because I usually try to when possible have real food after. What do you, but, 
what do you think about you ever see these like meal replacement shakes like soylent or something like that where they just eat meal like what do you think about that somebody gets all their calories every day from like a series of shakes i do think if you can do food first it's ideal i have i do have clients that do some type of a meal replacement but they you know resort to because of busy schedule and maybe that's the best thing for them to get some type of nutrition in right away in the morning like think of maybe the mom that's has like four kids trying to get them out the door and then her go to work. So maybe a meal replacement's best. But if you do a meal replacement, I mean, it should have like vitamins in the right bioavailable form, fiber, digestive enzymes. But if you're not chewing your food, like that's not going to be the best thing in my opinion Yeah. for long-term, you know, like maybe a shake is here and there. Maybe it's a quick breakfast, but, um, with the shake, everything is broken down to its simplest form. So like your guts doesn't have to work as hard. So but my thoughts are, are this, and this is not coming from a scientific standpoint. Um, it's coming from just like a, a life standpoint. It's something that I've learned. Um, people, people are very busy. So they, they consume these shakes because they, they don't have time to eat. And I'm very busy. It, like I have like a lot of things going on, a lot of things that I'm building and I'm, I'm really excited for it. But I think that if you get to the point where you're, where you're so busy that you don't have time to physically chew food. Um, I don't think, I mean, everybody's different and their work-life balance is different, but I would question those lifestyle choices. I mean, I, I think that, I don't know. It just, it just is like, I know, I know a guy who just he takes these shakes and he says, I just don't have time to eat anything else. And I'm just like, I don't know. Is it worth it? Like whatever you're filling your life with. I mean, maybe it is to him or whatever, but I just, it seems strange to me in a sense. Like if I'm looking at it, I don't know. Like eating is sacred. I don't know. Yeah. And eating should be fun, but a lot of people definitely struggle with it. Cause they're only trying to fit macros or calories for the day. But if you think about food in general, like ideally you cook it with someone, you sit down and eat, like it should be a good thing that we look forward to because food is our fuel. And again, if you're like what you said, you're like, if you're not having time to chew your food, what are you, <laughs> how are you feeling your day? But um, I think it's also people want things really quick in our day to day. So people making a shake might be something quick and fast, whereas, you know, prepping a meal might be too long, but it's all about finding the right recipes and that balance. Yeah. And that's like, this is a perfect segue to the next question of, you know, what's the best way to shop and meal prep? Don't shop. Mark, what do you do? I don't shop in the middle of the grocery store. (laughs) I don't, I don't go anywhere in the middle. I just stay around the outsides and I mostly stay in the produce. I think that's a, that's a good starting point. Like the biggest percentage of my cart should come from the, from the, from the produce section. I feel like uh, when I do that, I'm setting myself up for success. So I think that's just a really easy tip. I don't know. I mean, you, if you think about it, like you got like if, if you if you like to consume dairy and, and eggs and and lean proteins, you got those all around the outside of the store. By the way, the store is set up, and you have the the produce around the outside. All the stuff in the middle is just like box food and garbage for the most part. So I try to stay out of that. Like I don't buy any food that pretty much has a box for the most part. So it's a lot cheaper for me, a lot healthier. Yeah, I think above all, what I tell people too is like make a list. If you're new to buying in bulk, like make a list. It, usually if you plan ahead, 
you're more likely to stick to what you want. And I always tell my clients, don't go grocery shopping hungry. You're more likely to make impulse decisions too. You know, but staying on the outside is definitely the way to go. And I only venture in for like oils, specifically like cooking oils, but um, everything on the outside, like all your um, vegetables, fruit, if people do eat meat like fish, poultry, beef, all eggs, dairy, all that's going to be on the outside. But what you should avoid is the end caps. Um, that's usually where people are promoting, um, like if it was, uh, you know, like November, like all the pumpkin spice is going to be on the end caps or, <laughs> you know, all the pumpkin stuff is going to be there. Usually like super sugary, like since St. Patrick's is coming up, all the green cupcakes and cookies are going to be on the end caps. And like chocolates and Easter, there's going to be all this sugary stuff on the end. That's a good. But, that's a good point. And you want to look. Um, usually, depending on if your listeners like have kids or not, usually the more sugary, um, kid-friendly stuffs at the bottom, so the because it's at their side of you, their line of height. You know that should be so. illegal. <laughs> the way that our system like markets like candy and breakfast cereals to kids is kind of disturbing frankly yeah yeah exactly i mean anything with adults you want to look high and low when you venture in to the grocery store because usually anything in the middle is where the kids are going to be at all right so guy after you like you get all you go to the grocery store and you get everything on your list um you're not like me and have to go to the grocery store like three times (laughs) you forgot something um would you rec- like what would you recommend? Would you recommend like small meals or larger meals or does that even really matter? Um do you mean like typical daily intake yeah, like just typical for large meals or like every day the person eats like three big meals versus like six small? Yeah, like three meals versus like six small or um I think it, it depends on the person and the amount of calories they want to intake. But usually I do think like multiple meals throughout the day is usually digested better. Um, usually like we feel some type of hunger every three to five hours, you know, depending on your metabolism and metabolic rate, but to help keep like your blood sugar up and, you know, um, so people don't get too tired, like having sometimes like multiple meals usually can go better. Like breakfast, maybe mid morning snack, lunch, mid afternoon snack, or, you know, recovery, post-run, lift, and then dinner. But um, it depends on what's best for the person because some people can't tolerate such a large intake for, like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Lauren, what if I ate, like, I, I eat on average about 46 or so, 4,600 calories a day. That's what it's been coming out to. Um, and I'm That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm still losing weight. Um, but what if I ate 4,600 calories in one meal? How much are you losing? Uh, I don't know. I've, I think in the last, I don't, I don't know. Some of it was on purpose, but, but let's say since, since November, I've lost like 12 pounds. Um, but now like up over 80 miles a week, I just can't keep much weight on. So, yeah, I think you have a super fast metabolic rate as well. (laughs) That's why I'm so jacked. But what if I ate 4,600 calories in one sitting? What would happen to me if I just did that every day? Just one, one time a day. In one? Yeah. Um, I mean, 
if I could do it, if it was physically possible, like would it, would it change the way that my body is my, would it change my body composition? Would it, or would it just be a matter of calories in versus calories out? It's kind of a little bit of both. Like you have such a high metabolic rate, your body's going to take what it needs. But for the average person like sitting or the average person, maybe like weekend warrior, like the person that sits in their office, they're more likely to gain a lot of weight. Okay. Um, but it, it's so dependent on like your activity level, height, weight. I mean, there's studies that show like the ingestion of 20 to 40 grams of protein um, has no difference. But if you think back in the day more um, with the pathogenic or like more when people are doing um, the paleo diet, they would intake a large amount of food at once and then more go like fasted. But their body was adapted and adjusted to that. But whereas our bodies this day and age, we're used to more of a frequent intake and don't go into those fasting states as often. So I do think at your high level, your body comp, I mean, I think it would change a little bit, but I don't think you would feel well. <laughs> I think it would hurt your performance. You would need like a lot of digestive enzymes. I think it would bloat you. Okay. I'm not going to try it. I was just, I was just wondering hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could also add like more fat to your intake to get your calories up too. If that's easy, I don't know. Yeah, well, my diet consists of like 40% quinoa, 30% greens, and 30% peanut butter. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll get up that uh, peanut butter intake. Yeah, those are amateur numbers. I know. <laughs> so, uh, we got one more, one final question for this. This is going to be for the group. So, what, Lauren, what is your favorite meal to prep? My favorite meal. Yeah. Um, I I don't prep this out, but my favorite, like before a long run, I love doing like eggs, spinach, and sweet potatoes. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I do like so. a big scramble, and that's like my absolutely favorite. And hot sauce. <laughs> I might have, I might have to change my answer. All right, I'm gonna lay down the key to success right here. Keys. Um. So. Quinoa, garbanzo beans, peanut butter. No, no. <laughs> Quinoa, garbanzo beans. Um, I take like two big handfuls of spring mix, uh, a bunch of hummus, uh, some hot sauce. And I pretty much mash all that together. And I eat that. And usually the way I don't know. Usually I, I don't know, it's about 500 calories, 480 or so. 30 grams of complete protein and uh it's good good stuff that's great i know for me i know for me i've just been doing like some like uh some like vegan enchiladas and put it in the oven with like corns uh, black beans and like some uh homemade uh sauce salsa um that's been my favorite lately it's been easy to take to work too Okay, that you guys just both sound really good <laughs> and i got the recipe straight out of uh Vegan cookbook, uh, Thug Kitchen. Uh, eat like you give a fuck. That's the book. Thug Kitchen. <laughs> I have that one too. All right. Well, I guess uh, I guess that'll be it for today. But Lauren, thank you so much for uh, dropping some knowledge on us. We very much appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for your time. Yeah, no, thank you for having me.
Did I say that you're the best run coach ever? No, th- oh, this is a great time to. This is a great time to put that. For anybody interested, I I coach roughly forty uh, endurance athletes, and uh, Lauren was one of them. And she happened to say that I was the best running coach ever. If you guys didn't hear that, yeah, best running coach ever. You helped me with Boston, which was awesome. Yeah, well, a quick backstory before we go. I was like, we put so much structure in our training, and it was going to be so great. And everything was going perfect. And then the worst conditions at the Boston Marathon ever. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, oh my God, this, this girl's going to kill me. Like she's in such good shape, but, but you still set a PR, didn't you? In those terrible conditions. Yeah. 313, 26, but I need to beat that. Or 21, 313, 21. Yeah. So I feel like you have a lot left and you're going to beat that without a doubt. You should be, you'd be able to run under three. I, I can see that in you. You're very talented. <laughs> Just pick the bad That was the weather was terrible. It was cold. It was really cold. I'm not dropping and setting a PR. Most I don't think many people set PRs in that race. So, all right. Well, cool. Well, thank you, everybody. Yeah, and uh, Lauren. So, how can uh, people get a hold of you if they have, to have any questions or uh, you know want to get get on one of your diet plans? Um. Instagram? Yeah, Instagram. You can do Elmitch10 Instagram. Mark, where can we find you? All right. So you can find me at Bottenhorn Running on Instagram. Also, you can find my coaching at run underscore strong underscore coaching. And you can also find me on my website at www.markbottenhorn.com. Yeah, got like a bunch of different stuff. So that's great. Um, you can find me at PatXGates on Instagram. All right, cool. That's good. So we will uh, I'll cut this here. Lauren, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. you made it way. Yeah, nice meeting you too, Lauren. Yeah, nice to meet you. Bye. Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for your time today. Uh, we hope you really enjoyed listening to it. This is our very first episode. So let us know what you thought. If it brought you some value, let us know. If you didn't like it, let us know. This is our, our very first episode. So we're working through the kinks. Uh, trying to get everything to 100%. want to give special thanks to uh, the dietitian Lauren Mitchell for, for joining us today. That was a really fun time, and I hope it was informative for you all. Uh, again, Pat and I really appreciate you listening, and hopefully we'll see you on the next episode.